Welcome to our scheduled sanity podcast. I'm Erin. And I'm Sigal. And we're two stay-at-home moms who schedule our time together to keep each other from losing our minds. We know that being a stay-at-home mom is hard. So we're here to remind you that you're not alone. You matter and we get it. So let's get to it. So we are doing episode, I actually have no idea, six? Yeah, I think this is six. It feels like seven because there was an episode zero, but yeah, we're six or seven. I think this is episode six, and this is an episode I really wanted to do. We're in the thick of it. This is teenagehood. Talk about teens. Teenagers. Um, this phase feels like it lasts a long time, but maybe because it feels the hardest. Well, and it stretches out, right? If you have multiple kids. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, babies also stretch out. Over multiple. Um, oh, it's, I feel like it's the most unknown. It's the most misunderstood. Hmm. Um, we definitely need a handbook and we don't have one. True. Right? I feel like the older they get, we talk about this a lot, the older they get, the bigger the problems. Yeah. The bigger the kids, the bigger the problems. In on an emotional level almost, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when they're babies, the problems are all most of the problems are very close up in your face. Close up, physical, simple, yes. simple solutions. But like they're the ones that draw the most. Like I feel like the sleep deprivation when I had babies nearly <laughs> killed me. Same. So it was it was that physical, very physical challenge. Yes. The older they get, the more it becomes emotional, yes. mental, that kind of stuff. So yes. the physical distance is greater, but perhaps the weight of the challenge is greater. Yes. But um, before we kind of go into that, you you had a little something you wanted to talk about that in between phase, which we're not doing a podcast on. Yeah. So I feel like last podcast was beautiful, brutal babies. And clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly that life phase nearly was the death of me. But then we move into the next phase, which for my husband and I was very intentional trying to figure out parenting style. Oh yeah. And so, you know, again, no surprise. I'm a conservative Christian. My husband as well is as well. And so we looked at different Christian parenting programs and the one we sort of fell into by accident because of the church we were in at that moment was called Growing Kids God's Way, <laughs> which from the day I heard it, I'm like, that is so presumptuous. <laughs> it's not like there's a book in the Bible that's like, here's how you do it step by step. So, you know, there was some guesswork involved there and sure. probably experience. But anyway, that's the program we took amongst many others, but that one really stuck with us. And so we used a lot of the concepts with our parenting and did it vary from kid to kid. Yes, because they're all so different. They are. But there were a lot of concepts that we loved. And so one of the concepts that was really fundamental in that program was parenting inside the funnel, they called it. Oh. So I know there's a million different ways to parent. This is just the style that worked for us. But if you picture a funnel, there's the wide big end at top, and then there's the little narrow end at the bottom. So when they're little, there is a lot of restriction, is the idea. There are very few choices. Okay. Because their brains are very small and undeveloped. And the problem with the wee littles is if you say, do you want the red cup or the blue cup? And they get to make that choice. They can, in their tiny toddler brain, think, oh, I get to make all the choices. Sure. So when you say, now it's time for nap, they're like, no, it's not time for nap. 
because they don't understand, they don't have the maturity in the brain development to understand what choices are okay and what choices are not. Mm -hmm. So needless to say, we chose to give our kids not many choices when they were little, but as they grow and the funnel expands, so do the choices that we give them as parents. Okay. So basically you're watching them grow and mature and develop and sort of the line was when they didn't have a temper tantrum over not being able to have the choice is when you give them the choice. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And so they got more and more privileges and more and more choices as they aged and their maturity matched up. So what we've seen, what our experience has been watching other parents with different parenting styles is that a lot of parents will offer many, many choices when their kids are young and then as their children grow older and especially into preteens and teens, the parents freak out about the choices they're making because they're risky or scary or dangerous. Oh, interesting. And so they'll try to clamp down and be like, oh, well now we're mandating a curfew and you have to be home by this time and you can't be with that person because they're dangerous and you can't do that thing because it could hurt you. And the kids who've had all the choices in the world rebel because who are you to tell me what to do? I'm going to make my own choices. And so relationships can fracture at that stage because there are parents that reverse funnel all the choices when they're young. And then they try to change the choices and give them less choices when they get older. So that's the idea behind the parenting philosophy. Fewer choices when they're younger, more choices when they're older and ready for it. And Mm. our experience with our kids has been, it's worked really well. Hmm again, different choices for different families. And my husband and I will often look at other families who parent very differently and be like, Oh, let's see how that goes when they're older. But he will say, you know, we really have no idea until we come back when those kids are in their twenties or thirties and kind of see who they've grown into being. They could be just as functional, just as well adjusted. So you never really know. You just do your best as a parent. But that was the parenting style that we adopted. Mm. So parenting within the funnel was a really important fundamental with that program. And also the moral reason why. So for example, we're at an event and the kids are running around as kids have a tendency to do. And many parents would say, Jimmy, don't run. And that's it. Right. And so the kid learns, oh, you know, I can't run while mom and dad are watching me or I'm going to get in trouble. But if you give Jimmy the moral reason why, Jimmy, explanation, right? you can't run because there are people here with hot coffee in their hands. And if you crash into them, that could spill on you and hurt you or make a big mess. Or there are elderly people. And if you bonk into grandpa, he could fall down and really get hurt. So here are the reasons why it's not a safe space to run. And there are other places that you can run, but not here. Because then when mom and dad's back is turned, there's a way higher probability of the kid choosing, making the right choice, right? Yes. The safe choice. So the moral reason why was a really important part of the program. It was never because I say so. It was, here's why. But again, that, that just happened more and more as they got older. When I see people trying to rationalize with a two-year-old it doesn't, they don't get very far. So that's why it was more about, no, you just don't get that choice when you're young, but as you get older, we'll tell you more. We'll explain the moral reason why. Hopefully it leads to reasonable behavior. And our experience with that program was profoundly positive. I love that. 
I definitely had very similar mm-hmm. parenting styles without the specific lingo. Right, right. <laughs> um, I was a very intuitive parent um, because I was a stay-at-home mom and my husband worked many, many, many hours. Mm-hmm. I did 90% of it. Um, so the decisions were mine kind of to do. And then luckily, this is the other part of parenting. You have to be on the same page. Yes. You can't par- have two different parenting styles in one house. You have to agree. You can have two different personalities, yeah. but not two different parenting styles. 100% agree. Um, so my husband was always behind whatever I was doing. Um, if he didn't like something, we would have a private conversation about it <laughs> or if he questioned it, not in front of the kids, right? Yeah. Um, and they learn, right? They learn. If they see fast. you oh, yeah. <laughs> disagree in front of them. They know. They're like, awesome. So I asked dad for this thing <laughs> and I asked mom for this thing. Yes. They're brilliant. So that was one key. The second one, consistency. Gosh, oh my this goodness. This is the hardest It's exhausting. Thing. Literally every five, 10 minutes, right? You are repeating. You, you cannot be too tired to uphold the consistency of the rules you put down. You just can't. Yes. You can't. That is the hardest thing. But the kids do catch on relatively quickly. And there will come a point where you don't, you don't have to say it and explain it, even though you've already done it at least three times. Yeah, it's so true. And, don't, yes. and I, I have to add to that before I forget the pain of empty threats. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> when you're in the grocery store and you're like, if you do that one more time, we're going home. And your kid's like, no, we're not. You because they know you won't follow through, you right? You still have to get groceries. You have to figure out what is the consequence that I'm willing to actually follow through with. Yes. And sometimes we would reassess. I mean, in the heat of the moment, we would say, if you do that one more time, we're going home. And they would do it one more time to test you, to see what you would do. So sometimes we would have to say, okay, hang on. I know I said we would go home if you did that one more time, but I need to get my groceries. So instead, this is what's going to happen. If this behavior continues, when we go home, you're not going to be able to watch American Idol tonight. You're going to be in your room while the rest of us are watching it. Because that was a th- that was a consequence that yeah. we could follow through with, right? So w- that was an interesting thing that I learned at some point along the way that somebody told like, I did not. I was not an intuitive parent. I needed people to tell me yeah. this is what's worked for our family. So someone said you can change the rules, and I was like, "What? You can do that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So if I pass out a consequence and then realize I was not thinking, you can say to your kid. Oh, I didn't think that through actually. And here's what the actual consequence would be. I've changed my mind. And even there's teaching in that. <laughs> yes, there that is. That you can be flexible as a human being and change your mind and that's okay. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to parent. Also, remembering that however you choose to parent needs to work for your house and your household, right? If you are a type A personality and needs to have control and rules, you need to lay them down. And if you are not, and that works for you, then that's okay. Yes. That's kind of how that, how that is. I think we're done with parenting. <laughs> yeah. Kids. So, okay. What I want to say about parenting kids though, is that I, I loved the program that we found. It worked for me. It worked for our kids. I mean, they might disagree, but I think it worked for the kids. But it changes so drastically as they age. True. And that was the hard part for me. 
because I am comfortable in my role as directive, take charge mama with little kids. This is what we're doing now. Here's how the day is going to look. Here's the agenda. You can't do this. You can do this. Like that's, that's cool for me. I like boundaries. I like things to be clear and structured. Sure. Sure. (laughs) I'm cool with teaching and training. I loved things like the baby whisperer giving me like the easy routine structure and things like that. Love that. But as they grow up, I can't be the mama with the clipboard. Like the clipboard has to get tossed. Yeah. And I have to age with them and things have to change. Have more flexibility. Yeah. They develop minds of their own. They do? (laughs) 100%. They're all different from each other. They're different from me. And so my parenting had to evolve. And that was the hard part for me was learning the new normal and not smothering them as they grew into their independent selves. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, So I feel like we we sometimes forget how difficult it was to be teenagers and what we were going through. So I want to, because I work with a lot of teenagers, I want to talk a little bit about what is happening in their poor bodies (laughs) and brains. Yes. Let's build some empathy. Yes, and please jump in with things I may have (laughs) forgotten. Um, So teenagers can be very cool and fun to be with, but things that are happening, right? We have hormones galore. Mm -hmm. Females, it kicks in earlier. I I would have said by like 10, 11, there was already some big female stuff that was happening. Um, Their bodies are changing. People yeah. are commenting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the how they feel about themselves is t- changing. Self-esteem is usually lower. There's a lot of criticism that comes along with becoming a teenager and usually putting on some weight, mm-hmm. right? And you know all the physical changes for females and males. And then also because they are getting taller and look a little more adult, they're expected sometimes to act more mature. Well, this is like the most immature phase yeah. ever. So they've got chemical changes. They've got obviously hormonal changes. They've got physical changes. And their brains are still like little kids. Mm-hmm. They also want to do little kid stuff, which sometimes is not seen as appropriate anymore. Like if you were tall and going, want to go out trick or treating, my goodness, some of the comments and the backlash is just terrible. And you just want to do the fun Halloween stuff that you still did just because you're so much taller this year than you were last year. Like even when you're in costume, like it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to know what the expectation is from adults. It's hard to know like how you feel about yourself how you feel about people around you. And they are all for six hours a day. They're all shoved into a room together to potentially learn and try not to kill each other. And can you imagine feeling the way, feeling highs, feeling lows, feeling very insecure, and then having to go into a room with all these people that you potentially don't like. Yeah. And who make comments about you to you. You have to deal with bullying and, and a lot of stuff. Like 
I wouldn't want to be there. I feel like most people would not want to be teenagers again. No. And, uh, and, and we, we forget. Do forget. Yeah. We do forget. It's true. I remember my son, my oldest, saying the difference between we have... All of my kids have gone to middle school, which is kind of weird because I know that doesn't exist everywhere. But the difference between primary school and middle school was you can be whoever you want to be in primary school. But as soon as you get to middle school, it's like a spotlight is turned on and everyone is looking at everything you do, what you say, what you wear, who you spend time with, what you're eating for lunch. Everything is under a microscope. He used the phrase, the term spotlight. And I just thought, wow, that's really insightful because it is a massive shift. And I think it just continues through middle school and into high school. Yes. I feel like in high school, especially because both of our kids go have middle school and then high school, I feel like in high school, they have more control over their schedules, what mm-hmm. they get to take, where they're eating lunch, which yeah. can be out of completely out of sight um, and where they are at lunch. Whereas in middle school, they have to sit in their classroom, right? It's true. Um, so I feel like high school is already a tiny bit better in a lot of ways. Yeah, it depends. It can be easier to hide in high school, mm-hmm. but it can also be tough in high school too. I mean, For oh sure. my gosh, I had terrible bullying issues in high school. If I For think sure. back to my own high school experience, yeah, it was so not positive. I could not wait to get out of there yes. and go away. So Yes. And then the minute you potentially, um, you know, are talking about crushes on people or going right. out, it's a whole other messed, messed part. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So it's hard being a teenager. Parents forget. Yes. Right. Adults forget. And they are seen as older and more mature and expected to act that way. And uh, it's not fair. It's not yeah. fair. And that's, I think, where relationships between parents and teenagers become very difficult. Yes. Right? You see less of what's happening. They tell you less of what's happening. Um, but also, um, you potentially don't feel like you can trust them unless mm-hmm. they're very open about what is happening. And no, te- no two teenagers are the same. Yeah, they're all, it's true. They're all very different. Okay, so I have to interject that we have started and stopped this podcast about 14 times already today because we are recording in my living room uh, for those of you who are new listeners. And uh, this is not a recording studio. So there are kids coming in and out of the house. There are very needy dogs today. They're having a dog party. Two needy dogs having a dog party or eating or whining or torturing us in some way. So, uh, yeah, you will hear the odd ambient sound effect. (laughs) It's unintentional, but it is what it is. We're stay-at-home moms. This is how it goes. So we were going to talk. We're going to move to a optimistic way of thinking. That's right. Some positivity in our teenagers. Let's inject some positivity into the conversation by talking about unexpected joys. What are things that have happened with your teens (laughs) you didn't expect, but here they are. It's true. So things that I really enjoyed as a teenager was like choosing weird things to wear, putting outfits (laughs) together. Um, And the funny thing is that my teenage daughter likes when I help her do that. Even, you know, shopping for her. I don't, I don't shop for clothes that I would wear or I would want her to wear, but I, I get what she's, the, the image that she wants to 
allude to right now right. or you, the style. You see her vision. I see her vision and her style and whatever mood she's in. Um, and it's fun to kind of, you know, pick things up. A lot of times it's from Value Village because that's an easier place to shop for things without feeling like you spent money on someone that didn't really want it or appreciate it or wear it. True. Oh my um, gosh, my daughter rejects my stuff all the time that I buy for her now. And she's only 12. Of so. course, of course. Good times. <laughs> but the other things, our teenagers have picked up a lot of our habits, mm. which are sometimes terrible, but sometimes hilarious. Like <laughs> my teens are so funny and we encourage them to try jokes that aren't, you know, hurtful, but are still <laughs> funny and they are... They're both funny and eloquent and definitely can have a discussion about serious things and have really interesting ideas. And because we have done things as a family together, sometimes they haven't enjoyed it. They've almost come back into enjoying doing things together. So for example, going for hikes or going swimming together, things that we did as kids in a different capacity. Hmm. Um, now we're doing it as adults, like we can do adult hikes, not, you know, 20 minutes hike, hike that takes two hours, <laughs> but also watching shows, watching movies together. I'd love doing, I have a list of movies that I want to do with my daughter, for example, like Mamma Mia. <laughs> and, um, there was a few other things that now, you know, she would enjoy and she's mature enough. And even watching movies together, we, we usually save it with each other. It's funny when they start getting the jokes that they didn't get before. Yes. And they're like, I didn't even know that was in this movie. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, because you listened to it with like an eight-year-old brain and now you yeah, have a 14-year-old brain. We, I love that. I love that. <laughs> what about you? Um, but well, I was, that's so funny because we just saw two old movies last weekend. We watched Bruce Almighty oh, and nice. then Evan, why can't I remember what that one's called? Anyway, uh, they were hysterical and my 15 year old was really enjoying it. And it was just so funny because I'm like, oh, these are movies I watched 20 years ago and now yes. you're getting something out of it. And it's fun. Uh, that's It's funny that you triggered a memory when you were talking about an unexpected joy, which was weird for me. It was actually mixed emotions because oh. it was the first time, I think my son, my eldest was like 17 when, oh now I can't even remember what it's called. The Ryan Reynolds movie where he's in Free a video guy. game. Free Guy. We went to see Free Guy and... You know, that was one of those movies where I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He'll get all the video game references and I'll get, you know, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. It's a win-win, you know, it's going to be funny. But it was so weird. At one point in the movie, I realized, oh, he's laughing at references that I don't understand. Oh, I love that. <laughs> all of a sudden, it was the first time and it was like jarring for me. The shoe's on the other foot. He has knowledge that I do not have. Yes. And it was so weird. <laughs> and so after the movie, I had to say, okay, so that scene where that guy flashed in, you started laughing hysterically. I have no idea who that is. Who was that? Oh, mom, he's a famous content creator, blah, blah, blah. You know, someone from YouTube. And I was yes. like, wow, this is so weird that now we're in this place where he's not missing the jokes. I'm missing the jokes. Oh, gosh. And it was really unexpected, but I love learning from them. I do, too. I love that they have become our teachers. Yes. I feel like it was exhausting always explaining, like you, I parented by having a rule or 
or deciding something and explaining why. Mm-hmm. Um, and even their questions, right? When they're little, mom, why is this? Why is that? Why is this? And it's exhausting explaining all of it. Yes. And now we can be like, oh, tell me about this. I didn't know about it. And I love when they get to be the teachers. Not only is it empowering to them for acknowledging and realizing adults don't know everything. Yes. We say that a lot. Yes. And times are changing. So there's things that they're exposed to that we hadn't been. Yeah. So they get to be the teachers, but also um, they get to kind of have a different dimension of a relationship with us. Yes. Yes. And that's so interesting because that can be challenging to navigate. Mm. And I have to humble out a lot and just remind myself to like be a humble learner mm-hmm. because it can be hard sometimes when your kid goes to teach you something and my pride will flare up and I'll be like, I should know this or where it's <laughs> hardest for me, honestly, and this is no big surprise, but is with technology Oh yes, because they're miles ahead with all the tech. And that's hard for me sometimes to have to admit like, oh yeah, I don't know about this. This is not my field of expertise. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what I'm doing. And you know, my kids will create content on YouTube and do all this video editing. Okay. We got our new printer last week and I was waiting for my husband to set it up because he's the techie guy. And my 12 year old daughter was like, mom, why aren't we hooking up the new printer? And I said, no, I'm waiting for dad to do it. She said, I can do it. And she did. And I kind of looked at her like, no, you can't. <laughs> she totally did. Love it. I mean, she installed an app on my phone And it was great. Okay, how-to instructions have evolved. But she was able to walk through the process and she totally set it up. She was like pouring ink into this thing and everything. Love it. Totally got it working, no problem. Hooked up all her computers with the Wi-Fi and everything's all connected. So, you know, it's... So good. It is good. And I just have to remind myself that it's okay that they know more about some things. It's okay that they can teach me. And actually I should invite them to teach me things because it does build the relationship as we move from, you know, parents with authority to more of a peer relationship as they age. In some ways, right. I sometimes still get caught off guard at how much parenting I need to do. Yep. Um, You know, you try and let them fly solo. And then as you can see them crashing and burning, you have to be like, so listen, we tried it your way. Now you have to do it my way. You know, no questions asked. Yeah. And we will, I mean, I will just say to the kids, you know, how, how old are you? 12. How, how old am I? 47. Okay. So who has more life experience here? (laughs) Like time has not made us equals. I've been through a lot of stuff. You just need to trust me. Mm -hmm. You know, when is your brain fully formed? Oh, you know, like, Early 20s to mid-20s is Absolutely. when the brain stops growing. Absolutely. 25. So it's biological. That's yeah. science. So you have to respect that I know more because my brain is fully developed and I've had all these years of life experience. Mm-hmm. So just trust when I tell you this is what you need to do in this moment. That's what you need to do. And yeah, you can make your own choice. Of course, you have free will. Do what you want. Yeah. But understand where my rationale is coming from totally out of love for you, wanting to help you and for you to have a great life. So give that some weight. And we will have that conversation with the kids frequently and they will be like, oh yeah. Okay. What do you think? Why do you think it? And it's, it's great that we can have that kind of honest conversation. Yes. I feel like I, yeah, and I didn't have that with my parents. I just, 
assumed they knew everything and I should do what they said until I got to a certain age and decided they knew nothing and I was going to do everything that I wanted to do. And then, you know, eventually got married and had kids and was like, oh yeah, okay, no, I should have listened. (laughs) (laughs) You knew so much, but I feel like our kids might be ahead of us in that department in understanding Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. respecting life experience and that kind of frank conversation. Yeah. Maybe not. I hope they are. I definitely also think that teenagers come with this idea that they are now more grown up and they know maybe not everything, but they know a lot about a lot, right? Yeah. Um, And it's a very common place to be as a teenager. Such a normal developmental phase, right? Very normal, but also very dangerous Mm -hmm. as they are choosing um, things to do that you can tell are going to backfire. They haven't really thought it out. But what we'd like to talk to say to our teenagers is you're in a place where you get to practice your life, let's say as an adult or as an independent person, while not having to do all of it at the same time yeah. and having a place to fall as a backup, as we are the backup. Yeah. So practice it, but realize that you, there are going to be consequences yes. <laughs> so that once you go out on your own and you have to do, uh, you know, your, your homework, potentially, if you're going to college and your laundry and your dishes and the food and buying things, paying for things. Taxes, man, hydro. Kids don't think about these yes. things. Yes. Um, it's a lot. So, you know, practice some of these good habits now and then it won't be so hard later. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. My gosh, my family is so loud. (laughs) My teenager in the basement showering. There's always something, always something. (laughs) You know, someday we will be in a studio (laughs) somewhere. I don't even know where there is a studio. I, we'd have to build one and it would have to be like in an outbuilding or something. So far so away. A little, a little in-law house. That's yes, what we need to do, That's right? what we need. A little yes. in-law house with that's no true. animals and it's no true. children and no husbands. And It's true. Oh. We'll, we'll dream it. Then it will come. It is what it is. Okay. Um, well, I yeah. think we're trying to finish up. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got well, next? Well, I want to talk about if you, if you could go back and give yourself advice before you had teenagers or if you had advice to give parents who don't have teens yet. What advice would you give? Oh, that's a good one. By the way, I just want to put it out there that this is a very big issue, like teenagers, parenting them. And you and I talk about it weekly. There is some aspect. Yes, we have quite a few between us. There's some aspect of teenagehood that we talk about that we've dealt with weekly. So I could talk about, there's so much we could talk about. And we kind of didn't, we wanted, time-wise, we wanted to keep it simple. But I want to put out there that we might come back to talking about teenagers or even teenagers transitioning to adulthood. Absolutely. Because it's it's something that has, it that requires a lot of energy and effort. And as a parent, I don't think most of us realize that. No, it's a moving target. It's it always changing target. as they age and that every kid is different. So they need different things. Yes. And, and male and female. Yes. And we are learning different things all the time. Yes. Like every week I'm learning new things. Oh yes. So yeah. I mean. It's like this idea that like, when do I have the sex talk with my kids? <laughs> That's so antiquated, right? Yes. No, you can't have a sex talk with your kids. You need to talk about sex many times 
through the years at various levels. as they grow, like starting with little, little dude in the bathtub, like identifying body parts by their real names. Like it starts so young, right? Yes. But it has to be a conversation. I feel like I have, I had an easier pass on this because of my work as a birth doula. So my kids oh. were used to hearing about body parts oh, interesting. and bodily functions. Yeah. And we would openly talk about things like menstrual cycles. And that's just been a part of the conversation in the household. Yes. So it's it's more normalized here because of the work I did, I think. But this idea that you have one conversation and you're done is crazy for all aspects of parenthood. It's like you have to talk yes. about things many times and you are always going to be learning as a parent and mm-hmm. your kids are always going to be changing. Like it's a moving target in every way. It really is. But one thing I want to talk about is this idea of often households will have the primary parent and the secondary parent. I'm just talking about responsibility with kids. Yes. Responsibility, like how much time you're spending on things. So for both of us, because we're stay-at-home moms, we both work part-time, but yep. we're primarily stay-at-home moms yep. and our husbands work full-time. The role you fall into can be mom does most of the work with the kids in every way. This is not just packing lunches and making beds and doing laundry, but mm-hmm. also all of the emotional conversations mm-hmm. and how important it is to have dad be involved, really involved like vitally important, especially when they're teenagers, especially my sensitive point is teenage girls with dads who get freaked out by puberty and girls developing into women and stop touching them Mm -hmm. and how detrimental that is for teenage girls I agree, and how they will seek physical touch elsewhere and companionship elsewhere Mm -hmm. when dad pulls back. So if I had like one thing I could say to the dads, it would be, please keep hugging your daughters. Even if it's a bit weird for you, deal with it, pops, work through it Yes. and touch your daughters. You still need to hug them. You still need to cuddle them. You still need to talk to them. It's so, so important. And this makes me think of this research I read years ago about kids who read books. <laughs> this is very old now. Who knows? I feel like, do kids even read now? My kids read, but they're weird. The huge difference it made for boys if they saw their dad read. Oh, interesting. Like the level of, you know, sure. kids that embraced reading and read books. It was like, if sure. they physically saw dad reading frequently, they were like 80% more likely to be readers. So the things that we do in front of our kids and the things that we say to our kids are so important for both parents. Yes, it's true. And I mean, it's never going to be 50-50, I don't think, but... The effort is so vital. Yes. We were talking about this even with a a workshop that's coming up with my church about grief and loss and how to talk about grief and loss with your kids. And if you look at who's registered for the class, it's like women, all the mamas. And how important it is for the dads to step into this world and be connected and seek the information and want to talk to their kids about this and not be disconnected. Yes. It's so important. And take an interest in whatever's going on in their lives. Like oftentimes dads have an easy time or easier time connecting with boys if they're playing sports and they support them. Uh, But again, we have the girls that, or girls and boys that potentially are not into sports. Mm -hmm. You know, in the example of my husband, you have to remember the names of their friends and the classes they're taking and ask about 
things that are happening. So you need to you need to take an interest. You need to listen. You need to know, and you need to follow up. Yes, yes. This is right? this is so important, integral, integral. I don't know how to say that word. Whatever it is, integral. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is. We were talking about this as well. That like. This is such a vital way to love your kid from birth. But when they're teens, it matters so much. Yes. Because if they start to pull away or if they start to feel weird or whatever, it's just so important that you have a clue. So many kids come home and dad says, how was your day? And the kid says, good. Yes. And that's the sum total of their interaction that day. Absolutely. You have to be able to say, how was it with Mr. Murphy at school today? Did he say something funny? You know, what happened in your woodworking class? Or I'll try to be so specific with my daughter. Yeah, let's hear it. When you were walking home with Anna, did you see any cute dogs today? Like something really (laughs) specific, right? That she would like, that she would notice. Yeah, because she she notices cute dogs and tells me about cute dogs. So I'm asking her about cute dogs. If she says no, I'll say, oh, what did you see that was interesting? Try, like trying to ask open-ended questions, knowing who their friends are, knowing who they sit with at lunch, yes. knowing the teachers that light them up. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, my kid has a, an EA right now who she adores. Oh, neat. And she will come home and tell me everything about this EA's life. <laughs> her son just recently got engaged. Now she's babysitting her son's dog while he's away in vacation in Mexico. Like, I hear all about it. But it's like, figure out those things that let your kids up and ask them specific questions. Do not, do not just say, how was your day? Yeah. That's very true. Okay, so the one thing that I would tell my past self. No, wait, it doesn't even need to be me. The one thing that I would tell parents with kids who aren't teens yet is that they need to prepare themselves to have open dialogue about things that they potentially are uncomfortable with or that makes them cringe without showing it on their face. So if your teen is able to tell you about difficult situations at school, um, things that would potentially even trigger you, and you don't respond and just listen, they feel that they can come to you with anything. And they deal with such hard things Mm -hmm. at school and life during their teenage years that they need to be able to have someone, hopefully at home, a parent, to talk to about it without the parent judging them, telling them that couldn't have happened. I'm trying to think other scenarios that would have come up without being shocked by it. Yeah. Because the number one thing is that you want is open dialogue. Yeah. And even saying the words, you can come to me with anything, but then not actually doing it ahead of time as, you know, doing it in small situations. It means that those are empty words. Yes. Oh my gosh. That made me think of the quote, quote I loved when my kids were little. Yes, let's hear it. Okay. Parents, you need to listen to your kids when they tell you the small things because mm. to them, the small things are big things. Mm. And when they get bigger, they will tell you the big things. Oh, that's a good one. But you have to listen to the small things and mm-hmm. be truly, sincerely interested. Because when they're little, the small things are big things. Yes. Right? And that communication is just so vital. I feel like I grew up 
pretty independent from my parents when I was a teenager. They both worked full time. I was a latchkey kid. You know, I, I did my own thing and my life, I didn't share a lot of my life with them. Yeah. And part of my choice to being a stay at home mom with my kids was that I really want to share it. So I would tell the kids even things like I'm going back to sex ed, but you know, you can hear things from your friends Mm-hmm. who have probably heard things from like their older brother who heard a thing, who saw a thing on YouTube and yes. is sharing this thing with you as truth. Mm-hmm. But if you actually want to know the real truth, just ask me. We'll talk about it. I'll give you the real information. Yeah. I would even do that when they had like sex ed classes at school. I would, I mean, you know, we're proactive parents, but I would ask for the information from the school. Please send me the curriculum so mm-hmm. I know exactly what they're learning. And then I would learn it. I would read through it. And then I would teach it to my kids before they went to school. And I would give them a little bit more. I would tell them about something that they didn't, they weren't about to learn in that curriculum. Yes. Just to teach them like, A, I'm super comfortable talking to you about this stuff, but B, I will give you whatever information, you know, I will go there and we'll have those awkward conversations. Absolutely. And the information I give you is going to be factual and real Mm. versus Bobby's older brother. Right. Mm -hmm. That dialogue is just so important. Mm. Okay, one more thing. Yep. I feel like this is something my husband clued into before I did, and then he very quickly had a conversation with me about it. So as my teenager is telling me something difficult in her life, he would ask her, do you want me to just listen, or do you want me to give advice? Yes. Yes. And most of the time... It was just listen. Okay, this applies in adult relationships too, let me say. (laughs) They didn't want advice on the situation. They wanted to figure out how to handle it themselves. Mm -hmm. But it was feeling hard and, you know, potentially traumatic for them, right? Like it's all relative. And they just wanted us to listen in the minute... I pick that up. I realize, oh, right. They, they just need someone else to talk to about it. And just like most of us, we often process it by saying it out loud. And sometimes we ask for advice, but oftentimes we don't. Yeah. Which is okay. And they are figuring that out, right, for themselves. So us giving the option and listening to something traumatic, again, without reacting in our Mm -hmm. face, we can react inside, (laughs) but not in our face, allows them to be very open with what's happening. Yes. And so I'm going to add to that as well. This is something my husband said yesterday and it was brilliant and he's totally right, is that our kids are the ultimate hypocrite detectors. If we are saying to them, why can't you be more patient with your sibling? You need to work on your patience. But we're saying it to them like, look, you need to work on your patience. What are you doing? <laughs> they're, they're right away like, uh-huh, yeah. I can see that's something you really value, mom, you know? <laughs> so we have to really work on ourselves. Like the whole control your face thing when your kid's telling you something hard. Yes. It's the same thing. It's like our kids become who we are, not who we say they should be. Yes. So... Let's work really hard to work on ourselves. A big thing that my husband and I decided on early in our relationship was we're going to apologize when we screw up. It's inevitable. We're going to do things and be like, Ooh, wow. I lost my temper that I'm really sorry that happened. You know, can you, can you forgive me for yelling and apologizing though, taking responsibility for actions again, teaching them, Hey, everybody makes mistakes. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to mess up. 
But here's how you process that. You realize it. You have the self-awareness. You apologize. You take responsibility for what you did. You ask for forgiveness. You know, you humbly hand over the power to the person that you've hurt in that moment and ask them to forgive you. You know, like this is a healthy way of communicating, right? And yes, our kids learn from that so much more than from what we tell them they should be. So I think that honesty of admitting when you mess up and that humility of owning it and being responsible teaches so much yes. more than anything we could ever say. And do it before they're teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, they should grow up with that. <laughs> and we will try things sometimes. I think you talked about this. We'll we'll try something and it doesn't work. And we'll say to the kids, whoa, okay, we thought that was a good idea to try it that way. It's not panning out like how we thought it would. So That's let's right. try it a different way. That's right. And modeling that, you know, flexibility Absolutely. as you go. We're all learning. We're all learners. I love that the report card doesn't say your student got an A in this class anymore. It says your learner has, you know, (laughs) achieved this and that. And I think we're all learners from the day we're born to the day we die. And the sooner we embrace that and are okay with that, the healthier we all are in our parenting and all of our relationships. That's true. Okay. So now I have one more thing again. Yeah. Five, five things later. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes when our teenagers need to tell us something difficult. It's hard for them to do it facing each other, Mm -hmm. right? So oftentimes, a lot of our deep talks for myself and my teenager happen in the van Yep, where we are sitting side by side and they'll say, mom, I really wanted to tell you something. And it's not the intense eye contact. Mm -hmm. It also allows them to not read my microfacial intensities. (laughs) (laughs) Win-win. They don't have anyone staring at them. It is such a good way to remember that we don't we don't need to be face to face to to communicate. We can be side by side and have it less intense. And it seems to really work for teenagers, which sometimes it's just hard for them to say anything. Yeah, yeah. I would say, that, yeah, you have to look for those opportunities. Driving is a really good one. Walking. Walking. Walking dogs is a great one. Yeah, walking dogs. You have kind of a task you're doing at the same time. Even like playing a video game. Again, it's these parallel moments when you're not looking each other right in the eye and it can open. Yes. Oh, and that was another thing that somebody taught me at some point. Like those little windows will open with your kid where they initiate a conversation and allow that window to be open. Do not be too busy. Do not be too tired. That's right. Do not be too distracted by the urgent things you have to do. Oh, yeah. If the window opens, you got to be there as a parent, even when it's there, they should be going to sleep and it's bedtime. Those are the moments, right? That they will yeah. remember if you had the time and the space to really hear them and listen to them and love them in that moment. Nothing is more important than growing these healthy humans. Yes. Nothing, nothing is more important. <laughs> and, and isn't that what we want them to be? We're, we're like their coaches through their childhood, yes. trying to help them become healthy, productive, contributing members of society. Yes. There's no more important job. There's no more important job. hundred percent. It's true. And I don't think we can talk anymore about that because I was like the finishing line. I know. It's perfect. It's the perfect way to end. <laughs> Thank you, Sigal. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> until, until next time. Until next time. <laughs>